everybody. Welcome to the Latch Mama podcast. It's an exciting day today. We are actually back podcasting from the Latch Mama headquarters here in Midlothian, Virginia. Um, it's kind of fun. I feel like we're kind of getting back to podcast land with some super exciting guests. Um, and we wanted to talk a little bit since this is World Breastfeeding Month and we are Going headfirst into Black Breastfeeding Week, we wanted to pull in a local expert who, from what I have learned about her, will probably become a national expert at some point. Um, No idea if that's on her radar, but she's pretty impressive. Um, So we are speaking today with Kenda Sutton L., who is the executive director of Birth and Color here in RVA. Um, She is a maternal and reproductive justice advocate. And her passion for reproductive justice has led her to pursue methods for improving maternal health for women of color here locally. Um, But like I said, I think a lot of the work she's been doing is going to, you know, hopefully bring attention to it on the national level as well. You're listening to the Latch Mama podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, business owner and tired mom of five. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, nursing, parenting and all things motherhood so hi hi how are you thanks for having me thank you so much for being here this is such an important topic um you know we were talking a little bit when I first got here about the fact that we've always struggled a little bit as a company introducing black breastfeeding week Simply because we get a lot of pushback, not internally as a company, but from kind of the social media, online community of why it's important. Why are we even talking about color when it comes to breastfeeding? So we wanted to have you come in today to talk a little bit about that. But I think that we would be remiss not to also talk about what is happening to women of color when it comes to um, childbirth. Um simple care in OB offices um, and certain things that I think need to at least be touched on today or we won't be necessarily being very responsible with this podcast. So let's get started. Let's get started. Do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself and how you've kind of landed where you are and um, you know what you've created? Sure. Um, So I started out um, as a child. Um, Everyone in my immediate family is typically um, medical field. Okay. Um, so from midwives to doctors to nurses, um, all those type of things run in my family. So like even as a child, my mom would like, we would do her nursing work with her. Okay. Um, and it always piqued my interest. However, uh, I said I would never do it because it took up way too much of her time. Yeah. Um, but going into the business and then keep going you always find yourself back to where you originally were supposed to be in the beginning um so that's how I started back um helping friends with birth and stuff like that and then I decided to like okay let's pursue this and then when we were looking at the maternal mortality rates we decided to like hey we need to raise awareness so that's how birth and color was formed um a lot of people didn't know where to find the black doulas Mm -hmm. um or for people of color and that's when we was like okay let's all be in a unique place all mm-hmm. together and that way people can find us and so that's what we did and we took off running with raising um, maternal mortality awareness um, maternal health reproductive justice reproductive rights all of that type of stuff through birth and color it's so incredibly I feel like important 
when you start to really look at the statistics. And we were just talking about it earlier when you first came in that women of color are four times more likely to die in childbirth. Yes. Than white women. And it's not crazy to me, but it's interesting to look at the fact that it's not necessarily education or income based or anything like that. I mean, you have women who have a certain level of privilege within the black community who are still having issues during childbirth or still not getting the same maybe attention or type of care that white women are. Yes, that is true. Um, what Looking at the data and the mm-hmm. statistics, it has nothing to do with socioeconomic status, poverty, or anything like that. You have people like Serena Williams, Beyonce, yep. um, all of them have experienced some type of bias mm-hmm. um, during childbirth and all had created issues that had not created issues, but had issues during childbirth. Ooh. I mean, I think it just begs the question. I mean, systemic racism, extra stress that just comes from being a woman of color. Like, are there other things that you're seeing? So um, there was a study done about three years ago um, of Africans that actually came to the United States and their levels and the ones that are already living here levels and their levels changed after a while because of the racism that they actually experienced once we're over here. Like their cortisol stress levels and stuff? So it's always more stressful Mm -hmm. because of the, the, the hue of our skin. And so if I'm already stressed out yeah. and then I have to worry about is my provider actually listening to me? Mm-hmm. Do they understand what's happening? And then to let alone your provider that you see the whole time is not necessarily the provider that's going to be there during your birth. Mm-hmm. So that changed over time because mm-hmm. it used to those providers would come in. Mm-hmm. And so now that they've created these systems that's not really helpful, you have another issue to look at so the only constant factor in birth is the doula and that's why they're so important absolutely it's really interesting I mean I think that you know as most people who listen to this podcast know or follow our company is I've had kind of one midwife my entire reproductive years and you know we have a relationship and it's it's great and she knows me and and I know her but I couldn't imagine being a woman or a birthing person of color who has worked to build that relationship and in some ways completely unfairly because they have to, I feel like, I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I assume have to somehow get through that bias throughout the process of building the relationship. And then they get in to have a baby and somebody else walks in and all they, all they look at that, that point is, you know, maybe the color of their skin and, come in with those biases that they haven't had the opportunity. Oh, it's just, it's, it's so overwhelming for me. Cause I don't, I, I don't know how you fix it other than bring attention to it. And, and that's what we've been trying to do. So just imagine going to your doctor's office and having them call you someone else's name or write someone else's name on the chart. And you're like, that's not my name. And so experiencing that is like, okay, wait a minute. Should this be your OB? Mm -hmm. Should this be the person that you're trusting with to make sure you and your baby are healthy? Absolutely. But there's like just in in general, finding a care provider 
when you are pregnant, when you are going through those reproductive years is hard enough. And we talk about this all the time in the podcast of what questions to ask, you know, checking C-section rates if a low intervention birth is important to you and things like that. You all have a whole nother, whole nother thing that you all have to worry about that it seems completely unfair to me. So where, where do we go? Like what, what do we do? And so that's why we've been trying to create systems and like talking to providers, like helping them with their implicit biases and like understanding. And so to me, when a provider can't understand that implicit bias and racial bias is a real Mm -hmm. thing, that's not a provider that I would want to go to. And so like I've started to take like a stern action as saying, okay, if you're my client, then these are the providers I would recommend for your lower intervention. These are the people that I know will actually listen to you. And most of them will actually come in if you say like, hey, I would really want you to be at my birth. Like we've had that happen. Um, We've had some providers just say, you know, I'm really going to be there. Like just here's my cell phone number. Kenda, just call me when she goes into birth. Um, Then you have some providers, some hospitals, you know, they have hospitalists now. So some hospitalists won't even call the doctor. Mm -hmm. I remember I had this great relationship with um, OB. She's not here anymore. She's moved. Um, And I was so so sad. But um, she knows, like, if I have a birth with her, I want her. Absolutely. Um, And so when she came... The hospital was like, oh, she's not coming in. We're, she's told us to go ahead and do it. And in my mind, I was like, she would never. So I texted her and I was like, hey, our client is in labor. Um, are you okay? And she was like, yeah, I'm on my way there now. And so she popped in. She was like, yeah, they tried to tell me that she said she wanted to use them. But I just stayed, I came in anyway. And so you have this type of stuff that's happening in the hospitals, too, because, of course, there's different payment methods. So if the doctor didn't come in, then not necessarily they're not going to get paid for the birth. So it's like all of these other stuff like I've seen on um, the benefits mm-hmm. um, billing statements. Mm-hmm. I've seen that they're charging for skin to skin. How are you charging yeah. me for something that my body is doing anyway? Uh, my baby's laying on me. Yeah. And so these are all of the stuff that goes into like raising awareness because people are like, why is it so important? Why are you specifically saying that, you know, black women are people of color? And I have to educate them and say, well, this is the reason why. It's not that you don't matter. Everyone matters. It's the fact that these are the issues that's Mm -hmm. happening that you don't even understand that's happening to them. And statistics don't lie. Right. Like, I mean, that's at the end of the day. I mean, you can come to this whatever, with whatever bias you want as a, as, a, as a white individual, but you literally cannot look away from the statistics. Exactly. And so the people didn't even understand the infant mortality rates until last year when I introduced the bill to like have Virginia have their infant mortality and femur um, work group again. Okay. And so black women, children are dying before the age of 12 months at a two times higher rate. So just think about that. Just, so just think about I'm pregnant. Yep. I have to worry about, am I going to live? Mm-hmm. And then after I have my baby, I have to worry about, okay, is anything going to be wrong with my baby? Is my baby going to live till after 12 months? And so th- that alone is stress. Absolutely. By itself. So, I mean, other than like if we were to look at like the grand kind of picture of why it is happening, what specifically are women of color dying from in childbirth? So sometimes um, 
It's a range of things. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't mean to like have you, you know, quote me the statistics or anything. But where, where is this disconnect? Is it walking away? Is it not valuing life as much? Is it not, you know, really truly finding those preeclampsia cases and really working, you know, to figure out why that blood pressure is higher? Is it really, you know, like what? right? So typically, if I have a provider and they're not listening to me. Mm-hmm. They weren't listening to anything that I said, because if they listened to what I was saying, they would have been able to detect from my family history Absolutely. what's been happening. Um, if I don't feel safe with them, I'm not going to answer a whole bunch of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, 68 percent of these deaths are preventable. Gosh, so that is, that is I just I don't want to interrupt you, but I just want to stop you for one second, because care providers not listening is such a huge issue across maternal health in general. I hadn't even thought about the fact about what happens. And I, I mean, I'm going to, th- I mean, privileged white woman. I hadn't even thought about the fact that it could be so much worse for a woman of color if nobody's listening to them. And then the bias that we're so much stronger. So if we say that we're in pain, oh, you're fine. It's going to be okay. And I literally hear dying. Like, that's what happened to Kira Johnson. Like, her husband kept telling them, like, hey, she's saying this, she's saying that. And by the time they actually listened, which was, like, hours later, it was too late. It's just, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. So, some of the solutions. It's definitely education. You said making people aware of their biases, which I think is a great educational point, you know definitely nationwide for everybody at this point. I know something that I'm definitely working on as well. Um, But doulas, let's talk about that. So yes, doulas definitely help with the outcomes. Yep. Um, As I know, you know, you're going on your sixth child. Um, So it's exciting for you. Um, But doulas definitely help. So if a provider says like, hey, you have developed this and they go back and tell their doula, the doula is going to give them like different preventive measures Mm -hmm. to like follow and like try to help them as far as giving them evidence based information, talking through it with them. So it doesn't increase in um, uh, more of a stress Mm -hmm. because the providers will tell you like, hey, you have this, but not explain to you what that actually means. So that's how the doula is also important. Yeah. Um, Say, for instance, the baby is in a wonky position. Mm -hmm. um, during labor mm-hmm. instead of saying like okay well baby's here mm-hmm. let's just go for a c-section the doula is going to say no we're going to do some comfort measures Absolutely. and we're going to do whatever we can to get to move your baby yeah. into a different position so yeah. that and that's how we have more vaginal births um happening than before and that's mm-hmm. why the evidence-based information proves that doulas kind of help this um outcome and then of course if we we're going to advocate so if we see any implicit bias any racial bias we're letting the client know like hey you can actually tell them not to come back in your room you can tell that nurse that you don't want her anymore this is your journey absolutely this is they're all they all work for you mm-hmm. and so that's why the midwifery model of care is so important because midwives believes that it's your birth mm-hmm. you are in control whereas doctors are saying oh the doctor delivers the baby and that's not yep. what happens you're you're assisting mm-hmm. but i'm doing this all on my own talk to me a little bit about the the connection between if you are a woman of color having a doula that's also a woman of color 
So the connection is having someone that looks like you, okay. um, th- your stress is going to lower because okay. you know this person has your best interests at heart. You're not going to mind them coming around or seeing what's going on in your house and stuff like that because you're not going to fear that they're going to call CPS. You're not going to fear that, oh, they're going to tell so spread, sad, spread right? the word that they don't yeah. have food in their homes or anything like that. They know that we're going to help them as best as we can. And just because I'm the doula doesn't mean I'm going to not connect you to, oh, I'm going to connect you to food resources. I'm going to see who can give you pampers that if you don't have them, Mm -hmm. we're going to connect them to all of the resources that we know that are in the community. Mm -hmm. And so we have hospitals who are saying like, oh, well, we're just going to have hospital, you know, doulas in our hospital. But that trust factor goes out the window because now that doula works for the hospital instead of working for a doula agency or independent. So therefore, how can a client trust the doula if they are part of the hospital? So what are you all doing at Birth and Color? Like, do you have a revenue model or how how can we help you? So we have kind of both. Okay. So we have the doulas. Uh, mm-hmm. We have CLCs. We have um, infant CPR we provide those classes. We provide childbirth education. And so if they can't afford them, then we don't charge them. Okay. We will say like, okay, they can't afford it. We're just going to take care of it and okay. figure it out later. Um, then we also have where we are 501c3. Okay. So therefore we can apply for grants and stuff like that. But what we've realized when applying for grants mm-hmm. is that it's still all is about the length of your business or like if you've had this or if you had that or if you have the privileged person on your team um, I remember going to Giving Tuesday here uh-huh. in Richmond yep. um, in 2019 and everyone that was up there they were all like foundations funders um, philanthropists mm-hmm. they said that if they don't have someone on your board mm-hmm. that they know they don't want do- donate to your nonprofit but in the next word they said but we donate to nonprofits that you know have the our best interest and i was like so which one is it because yeah. if that's still white supremacy mm-hmm. if you're only donating to people that you know that's on because they know because you know that on the board and i mean you look at richmond in general and old so Richmond you're like, money, it's 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 mostly white yeah. right so mm-hmm. i'm just like that's so like i said these people paid to come here absolutely i'm so glad that someone bought my ticket because yeah. i would have i would be i said i'm livid i said they all are livid but they're just not going to tell you absolutely I said, i'm the type of person i'm going to tell you how i feel and yeah. i think that's crazy so a lot of it's fundraising. Uh-huh. I guess. So we do fundraisers. Okay. Uh, we have a GoFundMe campaign going on right now okay. um, for Black Breastfeeding Week. Um, okay. Donating to the GoFundMe uh, will help us pay for um, black or black women or people of color um, to have CLC training. Okay. Do you have a goal of how many? So want? the goal is to do um, about twenty. Okay. Um, but any of them, any. Yeah. amount is fine Absolutely. like as long as we can get a couple because right now that's an issue um i've been at a couple of the hospitals as far as breastfeeding mm-hmm. goes and they will push formula quicker if there's any uh, anything yeah. arises Absolutely. they're pushing formula and it's like they think that okay well from science this is what we know and i'm like but this is not science this mm-hmm. is like naturally happening mm-hmm. and the mom and baby are on their same page mm-hmm. so she has enough Absolutely. And when the baby's first born, the baby's stomach is the size of a grape. Yep. So how much food do they actually really need? Yeah. And typically you get a spoonful of colostrum. They're good for that amount of time. Absolutely. And then you keep feeding. Yeah. And so having more pediatricians understand that, that I'm just not going to let my baby starve, that I'm actually going to help 
And I think there's probably so much bias there. It is well. so I mean, much bias. Um, statistics and successful breastfeeding of women of color. Exactly. You're going to um, I was so thankful for my last client who she had a PhD um, and they were just like, you know, well, this is happening. Your baby has jaundice. You have this, mm-hmm. you know, and she was just patient. And she was like, well, no, I know those statistics I know what it is she said but Kenda I couldn't imagine a mom who's trying to breastfeed Mm -hmm. and I would have gave up if I wasn't so strong or if I wasn't already educated what Mm -hmm. do the other people do Mm -hmm. who don't have the resources or who don't know about birth and color or who don't know like hey well let's see what a CLC says Mm -hmm. um and so that's why it's important to like when you're when you are pregnant is to like educate yourself Mm -hmm. find people talk to them ask them Mm -hmm. questions ask them for resources so that you can properly educate yourself because it's completely it's completely linked to that infant mortality rate that you were just talking about um you know and if you can make those two connections you can kind of see where it all starts to go wrong you know if a woman is not listened to in childbirth and a woman has some sort of traumatic birth or Mm -hmm. a or a birth that doesn't go the way that she wants it to go. We have very little maternal mental health help um, on the other side of that to process that. You're then going to probably, unless you know how to advocate for yourself, not get the skin to skin. So your breastfeeding relationship's not going to start well. So then you're going to get the formula and then you lead to the second set of statistics, which we just talked about, which was infant mortality. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a hundred percent linked and it's bad enough to look at it from like just a standard birth you know, not woman of color situation. The second you start thinking about the systemic racism and all of the biases that you guys are fighting against when you walk into that situation, it is so overwhelming and so sad to me because there's so much work to be done. It's so much work to be done and not enough people or time. I know. Um, I teach racial bias training to providers too. And so I've had providers like ask me like, well, how do you talk to the, client and I was like huh Um, I've had them say to me that all black people from their understanding have underlying conditions and that's not true and I'm like it's 2020 and you still believe that Um, so it's always just like and like for me I (laughs) so because I'm the executive director I rarely actually sleep sleep because in my mind, like depending on what happened that day, mm-hmm. I have like a thousand things that I'm just like, okay, this needs to happen. This needs mm-hmm. to happen. Somebody needs to do this. Absolutely. Um, and so there is a mandate for the state of Virginia to mandate that all providers take racial bias training. It is not approved yet, but we mm-hmm. are still fighting for it. Um, just because I, I've seen it. I've seen what happened in the classes and the questions that I get. Um, I've seen where after I have a training, if Mm -hmm. I have it for a hospital, I have people who come up to me after the training is over who did not want to ask questions because hospital administration was in the room. It's interesting, though, because I feel like just coming to it from, I'm going to call it what it is, a very white privileged place, even creating that environment where people are comfortable enough to say, hey, you know what, I used to think this way. And Mm -hmm. you came in and you gave me a safe space to say, hey, isn't this true? And you're able to look at them and say, no, you need to dig in here. You need to look at this Mm -hmm. differently. It's such an amazing gift you're giving people because it can't be easy. It can't be easy to all of a sudden walk into a room and realize that you're looking at all of these super educated people who are interacting with women of color every day who are just so in left field a little bit about what they think about and the fact that they haven't done any work 
and you're encouraging them to do the work, which I think shouldn't necessarily have to be your role. But at the same time, it is such a gift that you're giving them and just everywhere that you show up. So, and it actually makes me happy um, when I see them asking questions mm-hmm. that they didn't know because then it lets me know like, okay, you actually did your job. Absolutely. They're asking you questions and yep. these are the solutions you're giving them. And I also give them tips on like, this is what you can do like after this training. Mm-hmm. These are things you can implement and stuff like that. And then there's the one particular part of the, it's the game mm-hmm. um, where they, they're the people who don't want to ask questions. Mm-hmm. There's a game at the end and they actually their privilege is brought out to the attention without them even knowing and then they're like wow I never even thought about that I said well where you have to think about these things for you because you're privileged Mm -hmm. I have to think about these things for me as well as my family and as well as my son yeah wow so just imagine like even with the the rates for black men like they're always looked at as fearful and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so you know black women who are pregnant with a child and it's a son that's they're automatically thinking like okay how can I protect my son from this world which is just another thing that adds to stress and it Mm -hmm. adds to something that they have to navigate emotionally and you know physically during their pregnancy which pregnancy is already hard enough you know it's no wonder that you know those stress levels are higher and Oh, it's so frustrating. But here's the deal. I think that it shows so much of what you probably bring to the birth space in terms of safety. Mm-hmm. If you're able to go and teach these classes where people feel safe enough to ask questions mm-hmm. and really dig into things that are inherently uncomfortable, but so important if we're going to make any sort of change whatsoever. Exactly. Um, so how can we help you? How many, what, what is the cost of each CLC? So each CLC training is $750. Okay. And so we're trying to train 20. Okay. And so t- the, that 20, they will be broken up in, in between all of the locations of where, um, birth and color is. So right now that's Lynchburg, that's Hampton roads and that's Northern neck wow. and, and Richmond. Okay. How many CLCs do you have in Richmond? Does that help for do you guys now? Right now we only have two. Okay. And what are you doing with them? Are they going and helping women in the hospital? Or are they helping them at home afterwards? Or so they um, so right now they go to the hospitals if that's their doula client. Okay. Um, if there's not their doula client, they go to the homes. Okay. And so like we have scales where they weigh the baby and they like, you know, do all of the assessments, newborn logs and all of that type of stuff to make sure that we're doing everything possible to help and like being patient and, you know, empowering that mom 100%. to say like, oh, you can do this and these other things and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then we always assess and like give them different options if something's going on with their milk supply and stuff like that. And even just helping them probably with that conversation with a pediatrician too. Because yes. it doesn't always go right right off the bat. Right. And I've had and people like switch the pediatricians yep. because some pediatricians don't want to hear anything about breastfeeding. Yeah. Or they'll say they're breastfeeding friendly. But if you don't have that big milk supply that comes uh-huh. in on the third Absolutely. day, they're like, oh, well, now you need to think yeah. about other options. I'm like, it's only the third day. Absolutely. Some people, it doesn't take till the seventh day for yeah. their milk to come in. All right. Well, on the other side of this, I'm going to write you a check, make sure that we have some CLCs coming. Well, thank you. I appreciate um, and that. And donate some of this stuff and help you with this enormously huge, but so important fight 
that you have in front of you. Thank so, you. I appreciate it. Welcome. I appreciate you using your platform um, to talk about the uncomfortable things because yeah. it's not always comfortable to talk yeah. about things like this. Um, especially I know when we started Birth and Color, the name, um, people mm-hmm. were like, why is that important? And we had to like literally say like, it's not that everybody doesn't matter. Absolutely. It's the fact that this is what's happening to yeah. us. I mean, so much of what we talk about on this podcast is kind of finding your way through pregnancy and it's so almost overwhelming to me to think about having a whole nother stack of things that you have to work through in terms of bias and getting mm-hmm. listened to. And it, uh, I don't know, it's such important, important work you're doing. So thank you. Um, thank you for creating a safe space for me to talk about it when I don't always get everything right. And, you know, I mean, I come to it with a certain level of privilege and digging in myself. So I appreciate well, the fact it. that you actually you have to give yourself grace because you actually genuinely care and you genuinely mm-hmm. want to know. Yeah. And that says a lot about other people who just like put up a wall and say they don't want to talk about yeah. it. I mean, I think that that's just in general. I mean, I think you go through life and you give yourself grace and you give other people grace and that's how we all grow, mm-hmm. you know? So thank you. Thank you for coming and being patient with me and educating us and you know taking that time that you don't necessarily have to take so i appreciate it thank you